Hello there, and a very warm welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. After the triumph of two great guests this season, Nick Hooper and Johnny Lyne, it's a bit different this week. It's a shorter episode, with some news and feedback, and a focus on a particular message based upon a piece of research that's really captured my attention. And I'll explain why I'm doing this as well, give you a bit of background. You could consider this week to be a copper soup rather than a full-on hearty broth. And the episode is called, Are You OK? I'm Here For You. I'm going to be talking about mental health at work and hopefully encouraging you, P-Supers, to reflect and share your own experiences with those around you. In an unusual move, and I know you'll be disappointed, I'm talking to you, James McGarry, there's no singing this week. This is because I've got a bit of a sore throat And like all good artists, I need to rest the vocal cords and drink some special tea. Well, I'm actually drinking a cup of Yorkshire tea, but it seems to do the trick. Oh, and there you have it, folks. The first bit of impromptu product placement on People Soup. I'll let you know if I get a goodie bag. Let's look at some reviews. Episode 1 with Nick Hooper. There was a lot of love for Nick and his warm-hearted openness. Thanks to everybody who shared and commented. Fiona said it was a heart-opening chat between me and Nick, and it was a lovely listen. Louise Gardner loved the episode. She said, I feel exactly the same way about ACT. It's in my blood now. As you know, Nick, I think your diary is awesome and agree if we all dance together more often, the world would be a much better place. One Ross Harris said, Excellent discussion. Always good to hear from Nick Hooper. Social catalyst extraordinaire. And he went on to say that he'd really enjoyed listening to this episode. Katie Louise on Facebook said thanks to us both and said, I got so much out of listening to that. I have a project that really matters to me, but I've been putting it off for three years due to unhelpful self-stories about me not being capable of pulling it off. Other people will judge me, etc. Knowing that Nick isn't some super confident superhuman who just knew exactly how to put the diary out there and had no doubts about it really helped embolden me to go ahead with my project. I'm going to kill myself stories, buy a values diary and really look forward to the possibility of your self-help book being published. Moving on to episode two with Johnny Lyne. Teresa said, it's interesting hearing this discussion about attending to ourselves as well as others when living our values. This is especially poignant for healthcare staff who tend to focus on values linked to caring and supporting others, risking compassion fatigue and burnout. Great podcast. Thanks so much, Teresa. I think you've hit upon a key point. What if we could become even more effective at living our values with others if we turned those values of caring and support onto ourselves? Shannon said, Amazing episode, Ross and Johnny. Very informative, inspiring, and a very enjoyable listen on my way to the office this morning. I feel like it's put a bit of a positive pep in my step today. And James McGarry said, aha, suddenly I see. Another great podcast, People Soup Pod. Not sure about the singing though, Ross McCoach. So let's get down to business. As you may have gathered, my intention was to have a series of fabulous guests for season two. And that will still happen. But, after two great episodes and then a family weekend up north to celebrate my mum and dad's 60th wedding anniversary, big loving shout out to them, I realised I didn't have an episode recorded or a guest lined up for this week. I then noticed what my mind did and thought it might be useful if I shared it with you. As I've done before, I'll use an interpretation of the ACT Matrix, 
originally developed by Kevin Polk and Benji Schoendorf. You can see a blank version over at rossmackintosh.co.uk on the show notes for this episode. And you can follow it through if you like. It's a great way to sort our experience and get perspective. So the qualities that are important to me in this podcast are openness, being of service to our listeners and guests, friendship, connection, love and fun. I like to have a go at reflecting these in my behaviour and my style of interviewing when I try to bring some playfulness and levity to hopefully make guests feel as comfortable as possible and also bring some energy to the message for the P-Supers. On The Matrix, I'd summarise this in the top left quadrant if you're following it through on the diagram. When I realised that I had no recording for this week, my mind went into overdrive. The content it produced was a little bit harsh and included things like Well, it's only two weeks in and you've failed already. What will the listeners think if you don't publish an episode this week? They'll think you're rubbish. They'll think you're all talk. You're so disorganised. I knew it wouldn't last. I felt pretty anxious too and worried and found myself doubting the whole venture. And if I was using the matrix, I'd put this stuff in the bottom left quadrant. The bottom right quadrant allows us to consider what we might be seen to be doing in the real world if our behaviour was under the influence of the unhelpful stuff. Those thoughts did show up in my behaviour. I did nothing podcast related, didn't contact any guests and generally felt despondent and anxious. So that takes me up to the top right quadrant. Luckily, I'm fortunate enough to know and work alongside people who I can share these thoughts with. Thanks to Lucy and Johnny in particular. Through those conversations, I was able to take a wider perspective. And this stuff, and in fact this episode, belong in the top right-hand corner of this particular matrix. This is stuff that's moving me towards who I want to be in the real world in my behaviour. Through those perspective-widening conversations with Lucy and Johnny, helped me realise that I didn't need a full-on guest each week. I also acknowledged that producing a 40-minute interview each week takes quite a chunk of time to record, edit and publish. I realised how I could be more kind to myself. As Johnny challenged us last week in Season 2, Episode 2, how would it be if I turned some of my values, say, connection, friendship, love and fun on myself? This podcast is truly something I love doing. Why was I being so hard on myself? I realised that I'm in charge. It's okay to vary the length of the episode and have a flexible format. This allowed me to get unstuck and crack on to develop this episode. Like I say, a bit shorter but still infused, I hope, with the same people suit values. This week, I heard someone in one of the organisations I work in describe themselves as needing to man up. Is there a more toxic couple of words to hear at work? Maybe it's the same as, hey, be a man, or grow a pair. I remember listening to one episode of the brilliant Freaking the Fuck Out podcast from friends of the show Maddie and Kelsey, where they had some chaps as guests and one of them described the way that men grow up with a different blueprint in life. This blueprint is perhaps reflected in the words such as man up and grow a pair. If this is the sort of content that the mind is producing, that's pretty blummin' harsh, and if it's influencing our behaviour, it could lead to men bottling things up, not showing emotion, or being afraid to show emotion, and not sharing how they're feeling. Now, you may have heard of Project 84, which has been built to raise awareness of the fact that 84 men take their own lives every week in the UK. Suicide continues to be the single biggest killer of men under 45, 
with three in four of all suicides being male. Now this set me thinking, because where might the majority of men, under 45 and for that matter over 45, spend a large proportion of their time and their lives at work? So what can we do? Is there some small action we could take? Is there something different we can do? And this is where I get to the bit of research I mentioned at the beginning. I really want to focus in on this one piece of research for this episode. The research is by David J. Disabato, Jerome L. Short, Diane M. Lamera, Karen D. Bagley, and Stephanie J. Wong. The title of the research is Predicting Help-Seeking Behaviour, The Impact of Knowing Someone Close Who Has Sought Help. This study sought to replicate and extend research on social facilitators of college students' help-seeking for psychological problems. They collected various bits of data on 420 ethnically diverse college students at a large public university, and they completed various measures. I'm going to focus in on the results. What they found was that students who were aware of close others' help-seeking, and by close others they mean family or friends, they were two times more likely to have sought formal for example, a psychologist, and informal, for example, the clergy, help themselves. Let me just repeat that. If students were aware of others seeking help for psychological problems, they were two times more likely to seek help themselves. This formal help-seeking was strong and significant for men, while it was negligible and non-significant for women. So this tells us something about men. It's probably something along the lines of seeking help is seen as less masculine and a sign of weakness. And also, as the paper points out, mental health literacy in men is not as advanced as women, giving a greater possibility for further education and advances. And we know from social learning theory that people tend to learn from and copy behaviour of those close to them. We are social mammals. Doing what the ones around us do is an adaptive, evolved function. But it cuts both ways. Research shows that help-seeking increases if someone near you seeks help. Kelly Wilson from the ACT community, in fact one of the founders of ACT, is clear that this is why he has lived his life out loud. As he tweeted recently, you are not alone. Here's something I've never shared. There have been times in my career when I've sought the support of the employee assistance program provided by my employer at the time. These contacts were related to events that range from being unsuccessful in a promotion competition that felt enormously important at the time, to being bullied by a homophobic boss, and on a much more sustained basis over many months, the period in my life and work when I was coming out, both to myself and my colleagues, family and friends. This latter time is most definitely an episode on its own right. I just need to kind of reflect on how to approach it. So, it will happen, I'm just not sure when. I just need some bit of thinking time on that. Anyway, I found these conversations with the employee assistance program to be very useful. Speaking to a non-judgmental professional really helped me gain perspective and provided an impartial listening ear. Often these workplace employee assistance programs are underused. If there is one at your work, why don't we all start talking about them more? Make it part of the regular workplace toolkit. Just something quite normal. If your workplace doesn't have one of these programs, why not ask your friends? What I've found is that the services provided are often open to family and friends, so you may be able to access one via a service provided to your friends or family. A positive sign this week that struck me was a tweet of a quote from Rupert McNeil, who's the Chief People Officer for the Civil Service. And the quote said, In the Civil Service, 
Talking about mental health is part of the culture we are striving to create. I think that's great to see that out there, and I know that Rupert has also spoken about his own mental health in a public and accessible way, which is a great bit of what I'm talking about. It's a great bit of role modelling. If people hear someone in that position talking about their own mental health, maybe they'll reach out when they recognise psychological distress in themselves. Okay, so what else can we do, P-Supers? This goes out to everyone, but in particular men. Can you think about ways in which you can talk about your own mental health in the workplace or ways you've already done so? Remember that research paper which found that men were twice as likely to seek help if they were in distress if someone close to them had disclosed that they had also sought help for psychological issues. It's not a weakness to talk about this stuff. It's an act of enormous courage. Right, peace supers, as you'll have gathered, this isn't my area of in-depth expertise. I was just really struck by that research paper. For expert advice and resources, I've also posted links to the Campaign Against Living Miserably, Calm, and the Samaritans on the show notes for this episode. But let's try and focus on the takeaway. Can you, first of all, can you talk about your employee assistance program, or maybe you just find out if you have one, and then start to talk about it with friends, saying, do you know about this service? It looks great. I think I'm going to use it. Or, don't know. Think about ways you can just make it more... Part, make it more part of everyday conversation. Also, can you think of a way you can talk about your own mental health to colleagues and your own friends? You don't need to hire a stadium and make a proclamation. It could be a conversation over coffee or just a pint with your mate down the pub. Finally, in preparing this episode, I've just seen on Twitter that it's World Suicide Prevention Day, tomorrow, the 10th of September 2018. And I'll leave you with one extra set of words that I also found on Twitter which in fact is the title for this episode. Are you okay? I'm here for you. Can you make this part of your own conversational toolkit? Remember, it's not a sign of weakness to talk about this stuff. It takes courage. But there could be an enormous impact of you talking about your own issues and letting people know you're there for them. Remember that research paper, two times more likely. Is it not worth sharing how we're experiencing work and life in general with others? P-Supers, thank you very much for listening. I'd love to hear ways in which you've shared insights into your own mental health with others or any ideas you've got that we can spread and share through this community. You can get in touch via email at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at peoplesouppod and on Instagram at people.soup. I'd really, really like to hear from you. Of course, you can rate us and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and we're also available on many other platforms. Thanks, as ever, to Andy Glenn for his spoon magic. But most of all, thanks to you, P-Supers. Really, really appreciate you taking the time to listen and feedback. Love to hear from you. Have a great week, and look forward to speaking to you soon. Take care, and bye for now.